In a world where social media and outrageous beauty standards reign supreme, Girls in Real Life encourages young women to love themselves by living fearless and filter-free. Society might have its own idea of what a girl should be, but we're here to remind you of what it truly means to be a girl in real life. Now, let's get into this week's episode. Hi, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Girls in Real Life podcast. I am your host, Mariah Clayton, and today we are diving again into relationships. I know I did an episode back on Valentine's Day, and you guys really enjoyed that. So I'm super excited to have another really highly qualified relationship coach here to share her expertise. And I'm going to stop rambling now and give her the opportunity to introduce herself. First off, Mariah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you. Uh, my name is Dr. Morgan Anderson. I'm a clinical psychologist and relationship coach, and I've dedicated my research and most of my adult life to studying attachment theory, uh, which is the science of looking at our early childhood experiences in relationships and how those impact our subsequent experiences. And I specialize in helping women, women who repeat the same dating patterns over and over and over. And they're frustrated (laughs) and they are ready to step into the empowered, secure, loved, confident version of themselves so they can attract that relationship that they want. So I I definitely do want to dive into attachment theory. Fun fact, I was a psychology major in college, so I don't really remember a lot, but I do remember like learning a little bit about it. Uh, So I definitely do want to pick your brain about that. But before we like jump into all of that, I just want to know, like, what made you want to become a relationship coach in the first place? So I went through a series of kind of, I would say, bad relationships all the way from I mean, if I'm honest, middle school, like I started dating really young and they weren't great even then. (laughs) Um, But no, like high school, college, it was pretty unhealthy in terms of it was not reciprocal. I was chasing. There was a lot of emotional distance, et cetera. And then what happened though, is I was in a very abusive relationship in graduate school. Mm -hmm. And it was a year and a half of anyone who's gone through that knows how horrible it is. Um, And it ended in police report and terrible, terrible place in my life. You know, essentially I hit rock bottom and it was at that point that I said, this is not sustainable. Yeah. I cannot continue on the same dating path that I have. Something has to change. And I started going to therapy, started getting coaching and began my transformation. And that was about 10 years ago. Oh wow. Um, so then I knew that if I can get to this place where I can have healthy, great relationships that other women needed to know how to get there too. Like no yeah. matter your relationship past you can change and you can have great relationships. Yeah, I love that. So were you initially in school to go on this path or did you just kind of shift after that happened to you? I shifted after that. Yeah, I had been just kind of a generalist and just, you know, I was a clinical psychologist and Mm -hmm. actually I speak Spanish and I was working primarily with Latino families And then after that experience, I shifted everything to working with couples and studying relationships and um, really worked on myself so much after that. And then 
the coaching, that's a whole other story, how the coaching program <laughs> developed and how I got here. I've always wanted to learn how to speak Spanish and I just kind of never did it. <laughs> but I love that you can speak hey, Spanish. In college, it was a great excuse to go to Spain and then it just kind of oh took off God. from there. <laughs> that's like one of my dream vacations. <laughs> Yes, girl. It's so good. You have to go. So you have been a relationship coach for 10 years now. So I actually have only been doing coaching for about three years before that. I was a clinical psychologist in private practice. So I was a traditional psychologist working in private practice. Mm -hmm. But what I kept seeing is people would get all of this insight and awareness as to why they were doing what they were doing but then they didn't have the roadmap and the tools to actually move forward and essentially know Mm -hmm. what to do with the awareness. So then that's where the coaching business came about of, okay, I need to actually kind of help women know what to do once you have the awareness. Yeah. So uh, just like diving into my first initial question that I have, uh, what is one common theme that you see among women when it comes to relationships? Like whether it be them in an unhealthy relationship or them being in a healthy relationship, what is like one common theme that you see? I think a lot of women learned to give to everybody except themselves. Oh, that's a word. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of women have learned to accept non-reciprocal relationships. So where they're the only ones giving. And I've said that like, well, not necessarily in that sense, but I have said that before, like, especially on my podcast that as women, we are givers by nature and like we're nurturers and we take care of people and we're parents and we're girlfriends and we're wives. And we have all of these different roles that we play in so many different people's lives to where it's like we give, 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 and we never give that same love and respect and nurturing to ourselves. And so you you do kind of feel obligated to, to help this person because they've been in your life for this long or because you feel obligated that you need to help them because you've helped them before. And I think it's it's a vicious cycle that a lot of women go through for sure. Absolutely. And I think what sometimes happens with this or a lot of times is then since we're doing that, we will end up relying on others to give us a sense Mm -hmm. of self-worth because we're not giving ourselves our own worthiness, right? So we're relying on it from other people. So then we get in this trap of thinking that we need a relationship in order to be Mm -hmm. worthy or in order to be good enough. I definitely see that. Like with some of some of my friends, they're like, man, like, why can't I find a man? Like, I'm not good enough. And it's like, they don't even have enough confidence in themselves to like be, I guess, assurance that, you know, their time will come and that a man is going to come and they're going to find them. But they're just so stuck on, I'm this many years old and I'm not, you know, in a relationship and I don't know when it's going to happen. And I see a lot of times, especially like around my age, I just turned 25 two days ago. So like, I see a lot of women who are just like, uh, you know, I'm this many years old and I'm still not in a relationship. And how am I supposed to have kids by this time? And, you know, like we put ourselves on this timeline because thanks to society, we have this idea of this age that we need to like start our lives and start our families. And a lot of women just kind of like push that into their minds. And when they don't reach that quote unquote goal that they set for themselves when they were like 12, be married by 23, it's like a midlife crisis. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, yes. Well, happy belated birthday. Thank Um, you. (laughs) But yeah, exactly what you're saying is that, you know, when we're successful in our careers or in school and we're very goal oriented, that's a great approach for those things. Mm -hmm. However, when it comes to relationships, we can't take that same strategy. Right. So do you think that a woman's view of herself, whether positively or negatively, determines the type of relationships that she seeks out? It definitely impacts it. It's definitely a big factor. And to take that a little bit further, I'll always talk about the beliefs that you have about yourself Mm -hmm. and the beliefs that you have about relationships. So you have beliefs about what you're deserving of and who you are, et cetera. And then you also have a set of beliefs, which I call your relationship blueprint Mm -hmm. that determine the kind of partner that you look for, because your brain has a blueprint of what a relationship is. Right. So it, it will seek out the partners that fit that blueprint. So if it's people who are emotionally unavailable, and that means you got to work hard for love, then that's what you will seek out. I feel like this is a great segue into like getting into attachment theory. So can you just explain like what attachment theory is, the different types of attachments and how it basically affects our relationships as adults? Attachment theory started with John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth in the early 1950s. And they first started looking at it by researching baby monkeys and their relationships with their mothers Um, And what they realized is that the baby monkey having that secure attachment with the mother was the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And when they took it away from its mom, they would offer it, you know, food or other things to soothe it. But what it really wanted was the terry cloth because the terry cloth reminded it of its mother. Mm -hmm. So basically then began the study of how we attach to our caregivers. We attach to what research will call your secure object, Mm -hmm. your safe space, the person that you can go to for support, for connection, for love, right? And that's at the same level of food, water, et cetera, when it comes to survival. Mm -hmm. We need that secure person. So attachment theory is the study of How do you go about creating that relationship or creating that attachment based on your behaviors, your thoughts, Mm -hmm. your ways of being in a relationship? You will have what is called an attachment style, which basically describes, hey, this is how you show up in relationships. I went down a rabbit hole. I hope that was... (laughs) No, that was actually a really good explanation. Better than what I was going to say. I was probably going to be like, yeah, it's about like how your parents treat you when you're young. And then, <laughs> yeah. that's probably what I was going to say. It, it, which, yes, you, it is as well, right? Because whatever we internalize from our parents is then what we take with us. So, yes. Yeah. So can you go dive into, I think there's four different yes. attachment styles. Can you dive into that a little bit? Absolutely. So we have... Anxious attachment, Mm -hmm. which this is where I have fear of abandonment. Essentially, I value the relationship over myself. 
this is the person who is sending the 57 text messages and then maybe they're driving by the house, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're very preoccupied with, okay, what is going on in the relationship? Is it going anywhere? Yeah. Um, Yes. So that's anxious. And then we have avoidant attachment. This is the person who, okay, maybe you have a great date with them and then they disappear for two weeks, (laughs) right? Like, so for them, when you're, when you have avoidant attachment, you actually tend to devalue the relationship Mm -hmm. and value yourself more, which is sometimes why avoidantly attached folks get confused with narcissists, but it's totally different. Yeah. And they have low capacity for intimacy. Intimacy is very scary when you're avoidantly attached. Mm -hmm. So they want a lot of distance, where if you're anxiously attached, you want a lot of closeness. Yeah. So there's the first two. Mm -hmm. And then disorganized attachment is this lovely combination where you (laughs) actually pendulum swing between anxious and avoidant strategies. Mm -hmm. And it's very exhausting. And a lot of women who come to me actually fall in that category because they're just totally burnt out and they're worried they're never going to find someone. And anyways, so (laughs) disorganized, you do both. And then we have securely attached, which is this is where everybody wants to be (laughs) confident. I can express my needs. I can set my boundaries. I know what I deserve. I value closeness and I value my alone time. Yeah. Right. And caveat to all these four styles, we all have traits of all of them. It's on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Your attachment style is just which one do you spend the most time in? Oh, wow. Yeah. Because when you were saying it, I was like, oh, this is kind of me. Well, boy, this is kind of me too. So I feel like because I've been in a relationship for six years now um, and we have had, you know, our ups and downs and been through normal things that relationships go through and I feel like I'm pretty secure in the relationship but sometimes I'm like I just need my space I need my alone time but I also you know like value that time that we spend together so I guess that kind of leads me into a question like what happens when two people are together and they have two different types of attachment styles So people will always say, oh my gosh, am I doomed if I'm anxious and my partner is avoidant? And Mm -hmm. the answer is no, that you can absolutely work together as a couple to co-create a secure attachment. The thing with that is that both people have to want to co-create that Mm -hmm. secure attachment and they have to want to do the work together and the communication yeah. What type of what type of work goes into that? Like, I guess a lot of communication for sure. Yes. Being able to honestly communicate where you're at and what your what your needs are. Yeah. So if I'm the avoidantly attached partner, it's saying I really value you and I value our relationship and I need time to myself. You know, yeah. I need this weekend trip with my girlfriends or whatever it is. So it really is about that open, honest, direct communication. And then knowing what does your partner need in order to feel secure? If I'm an anxiously attached person, I might only need a hug from you or a note (laughs) or a text and then I'm good. Right. So it's just about honoring whatever it is your partner needs in order to feel secure. 
So would you say that attachment theory and love languages kind of go hand in hand? They can in that in order to create secure attachment, it's helpful to know your partner's love language. So if your partner (laughs) really values acts of service, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're taking out the trash and doing the dishes, then you're moving towards secure attachment with them. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I guess they both just kind of play like a major role. One is just, well, I guess they both can kind of develop like from the attachment theory, like when you grow up and how your parents raise you and how you're treated in your environment kind of determines both sides of like how you want to be loved and how you want to show love. So true. They're both impacted by our development, our early experiences in relationships. Hmm, look at me. I learned <laughs> psychology and back in those right. college days. <laughs> right. What would you say? Uh, because right now I feel like, and I've, you know, talked to my boyfriend about this, obviously, like, I just feel like we're going through this growing period of yeah. like, you know, this weird age of 24, 25 and trying to figure out what you want to do with your life and where you want it to go and how you see yourself. So I think for us right now, personally, like we've just been trying to figure out how can we grow as individuals, but also still grow together in the relationship. So what would you say, or is there any advice that you have for any couples going through that where they're trying to grow as individuals and build themselves and their career and their lives, but also being in a loving, secure relationship? I love that question so much. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) I love when people get excited about my questions because I'm always nervous about my questions. (laughs) I love it. Um, It's absolutely how you should be thinking of it is how can we grow as individuals and how can we support one another in our individual growth? So it looks like you saying, hey, how can I support you in what you're working towards? Right. Mm -hmm. And him saying that to you. And then also coming together and saying, Hey, what does our relationship need right now to grow? The, The relationship is a third entity. It's a living, breathing entity. I'll work with couples actually, who sometimes give their relationship a name. Oh, wow. (laughs) This is, you know, uh, this is, Eloise. And what does Eloise need right now? I don't know. The name just came to me. That's but, so Cause it's a living, breathing third entity, right? And you, you have to create a relationship culture, which is mm-hmm. something I talk about, right? Like the norms and expectations within your relationship, a relationship culture where talking about what the relationship needs is mm-hmm. normal and a continuous thing that you do. Yeah. It can be like a one and done conversation because yeah. <laughs> you're constantly growing. And exactly. so you have to constantly keep communicating with your partner. Like this is where I'm at right now. Yeah. I always think about if running a relationship, it can be like running a successful business, right? Mm-hmm. You have meetings and you have to have those meetings because you need to know where are you at? Where are you at quarter <laughs> one? Um, what are your roles? What are Mm -hmm. the things that you need from each other? What are your goals together? So creating that relationship culture where you check in with each other. I Mm -hmm. love that analogy, that business analogy, because that's so true. Like you have meetings every week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. And when I talk with couples, I always say, Hey, have that relationship time and make it fun. Like maybe it's yeah. Taco Tuesday. I don't know, but make it a fun time. That's so funny because me and my boyfriend just said that we were going to start doing Taco Tuesday. <laughs> there you go. Maybe it's a sign. <laughs> it is. He makes like the best bang bang shrimp tacos. I'm like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. <laughs> so I know you said like early on in your life, you dealt with a unhealthy relationship and you kind of yeah. went through that trauma. So what would you say is the best advice to help women deal with their trauma from past relationships in order to help them grow and develop healthier relationships in the future? Great question. I think knowing that number one, your past does not determine your present or your future. And then I think the next thing I would say is you have to get help. You have to get support. You have to reach out. I know a lot of us don't want to do that. We want to take care of everybody else and we don't want to ask for help, but doing this work is not easy. And to try to do it yourself, it's a disservice to you to not, to not get help. Uh, And that you're worthy of that time, that time invested in you, that time invested in your healing, that is worthwhile time. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it because I feel like a lot of times when people are, you know, not wanting to get a counselor or not wanting to ask for help, it's like, oh, like I don't need them. Like I can figure this out on my own or I don't need to pay that money. But you're really making an investment in yourself to better your future and your relationship. So I get when you think about it that way, it's like I'm not wasting money. I'm not wasting time. Like this is literally something that I need for my self growth and my self development. And I think that if we can like just shift that mindset, then a lot more people would be like open to having conversations with people and getting the help that they need in order to like work past the trauma. And I know, especially like in the black community, when things happen in our family or in our lives, we don't like to talk about it. We don't like people to know all of our business. It's just like this thing where it's like, well, it happens in this house, stays in this house. And I think that's a really like harsh mindset to have because if you think about it, there's a lot of things that happen in black communities that we just don't talk about and we just harbor it in and we let it ruin our lives and we think about it constantly, but we never get the help that we need. So then it shows out in all of our relationships that we're mad or we're angry or we're sad or we're disappointed. And if we would just talk to someone and stop having people tell us not to talk to other people, then we could probably avoid a lot of, you know, mistreatment and disheartening. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a good point. And some of those cultural barriers, the mental health treatment. And I think part of that is the mental health system also needing to become culturally competent and, you know, more... (laughs) Um, more available and more accessible. And I understand that there's barriers and I do want to acknowledge that. And I think also just knowing that you're so worthy of fighting through those barriers and getting the help that you need. And I hope that people feel empowered to do that. I hope so too. What would you say? Because I know like as women, we have this idea in our mind of what we want our our partner to look like and be like and do like, oh, he has to be tall. He has to be handsome. He has to be, have <laughs> yes, a good job. Girl. Like what uh-huh. are some things that you think women do that keep them from their soulmate? Ooh, how much <laughs> time do we have? 
<laughs> you can go as long as you need. <laughs> so I think one of the things is when we have that template of I have to work hard for love and I have to be the caretaker and um, it's not going to be easy. Love is hard. Guess what? We will go after the partners who play games, who Mm -hmm. are emotionally unavailable, who are not great communicators. And we just think, well, that means I have to work harder. Yeah. Instead of girl, give the nice guy a chance. (laughs) The guy that texts you back. Oh my gosh. What about him? Right. Yeah. So often I see women, even women, especially with anxious attachment styles, Mm -hmm. they're attracted to the avoidantly attached guy, the emotionally unavailable guy. If there's 29 secure men in a room, they will find like the the one one (laughs) that is avoidantly attached because that's what they're drawn to. So really thinking about what am I attracted to? Yeah. What am I attracted to instead of blaming it on uh, the partners out there, the people who are available? I think I saw I saw a TikTok the other day and she was like, why am I always like attracted to the guy who never texts me back, who is like always mean to me? Like and I just keep going back. And I was like, you know, I don't why do women some women do that? (laughs) Because it's like like you said, ask yourself what you want, but it's like, why do we want what we want? (laughs) Why do we want what we want? Exactly. So this is some of that go do the internal work, right? And acknowledge, hey, what am I attracted to? I know myself in my own journey, I completely changed what I was attracted to. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden there's all these amazing, great, men who can communicate and are emotionally healthy and want marriage. (laughs) It's like, where'd they come from? They didn't just drop from the sky. Right. They've been been there. I changed what I was attracted to. Hmm. Yeah. So how, how do you think you, you did that? This is what I teach. Definitely inside (laughs) of the, inside of the ESL program that I offer. This is Mm -hmm. what I teach about rewiring your brain embodying the securely attached woman, Mm -hmm. changing your relationship blueprint and stepping into that confident version of you that easily attracts that relationship. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a really good program for a lot of women. So whoever's (laughs) listening and you feel like you need help, go hit up Dr. Morgan. She got you. (laughs) Right. That's right. You know, another thing that I see women do, and I'm sure that I know your podcast talks about this is We spend so much time focusing on our external and our physical appearance and how we look. And oftentimes it's like, oh, well, just wait, I'm going to work out. And then in three months, I'm going to be the girl that he wants. Like Mm -hmm. associating our physical appearance with our worthiness uh, as a partner. And that one breaks my heart. I know all of us can relate to that as women. For sure. Who are you at your heart? Like, who are you as a person? How can you show up? as a partner and knowing that that's your true worthiness and that the physical is just part of who you are. Yeah. But it's like you said, like we can't spend all this time working on our physical and our body and our face and like doing our hair. Like we have to take the time and the energy to really work on us internally so that we can set ourselves up for success in the future, no matter what it is, whatever kind of relationship it is, friendships, romantic relationships, business partnerships, like 
all of that plays such a huge role in our lives. And I feel like we just kind of skip over it like, oh, it'll happen when it happens. But I guess we don't realize that we can like take that power into our own hands. Exactly. Yes, you can. And knowing that, hey, sometimes, yeah, it's easier to focus on the external or physical appearance. And I I mean, I'm all for it. I think we should feel beautiful, but we should feel beautiful because we want to for us, not because we believe a lie that then that's going to be the thing that gets us what we want. Right. Exactly. Well, I wanted to thank you for joining me today. I do have one more question before you leave. And I ask all of my guests this before they go. And it's basically just what is the biggest life lesson that you've learned so far? It doesn't have to be about anything we just talked about, but I'm just always curious, like at this point in your life, is there just one thing that you were like, oh, the light bulb went off? Yes, it definitely relates to what we've been talking about, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no one can give you your self-worth and it is not external. You, you create your worthiness and your happiness. You cannot expect a relationship, a job, anything to give you your self-worth. You have to take ownership of it. I love that so much. And especially like for me, I competed in pageants for a while and I used to always like get on that stage and be like, oh, if they pick me to win, like that's what's going to make me amazing. And it wasn't until maybe like a year and a half ago, honestly, when I won Miss Louisiana USA that I realized like my self-worth and my validation does not need or have to come from anyone else, no outside source. It only has to come from me. And whether I walked away with a crown or a sash or not, like I knew who I was at the end of the day. And like, that's literally all that matters. So I love that you said that, you know, you don't have to go and seek men or people who are going to like feed into your ego and just tell you things that you want to hear. Like you can do that for yourself and learn how to love yourself and accept yourself for who you are. And that's going to bring all the rest to you, honestly. Exactly. I love that. And I love that part of your story. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you and your insight. And I'm sure my listeners did as well. Um, Please go ahead and give us your social medias, your website, anything that they can use to connect with you. Yeah. So I'm definitely on Instagram and it is at Dr. Morgan Coaching. So Dr. Morgan Coaching on IG. Come say hello. Um, and then additionally, we do have a website, drmorgancoaching.com. And then I have my own podcast that's called let's get vulnerable. And we have two new episodes out every week where I talk a lot about attachment theory and dating and it's a lot of fun. So yeah, thank you for having me, Mariah. This has just been such a great conversation. I so appreciate what you stand for in the way that you're helping so many people. So Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you for taking time out of your super busy schedule to talk to little old me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, no. Thank you. It's been such an honor. All right, you guys. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Be sure to connect with Dr. Morgan. She is super smart and obviously knows what she's doing. Um, So again, thank you, Dr. Morgan. And thank you guys. And I will talk to y'all on my next episode. Bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope that it was able to enhance your life in some way. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast before you leave. And also follow us on Instagram at underscore girls IRL. 
go out and live a fearless and filter-free life and always remember to keep it real.